It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Celebrate this July 4th with a special presentation of A Capital Fourth. Join your host, Vanessa Williams, with performances from Sea to Shining Sea, starring Jimmy Buffett, Gladys Knight, Alan Jackson, Cynthia Erivo, Pentatonix, Renee Fleming, Train, Jennifer Nettles, Mickey Guyton, Jimmy Allen, Ali'i Cravalho, Laura Osnes, Ali Stroker, and the greatest live fireworks display in the USA. It's A Capital Fourth, sponsored by the Boeing Company and American Airlines, Sunday, July 4th, 8, 7 Central only on PBS. Hello, my name is Dave Hanready and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 128 of the No Encore Music Podcast. Two-man show, two-man power trip with Cullum O'Regan. What's up, brother? How are you? Yeah, not too bad of holding down the fort. We are. Craig is away due to somehow more college work, despite being finished college, <laughs> but not really. So we'll Total move Hotel California shit, man. <clears throat> yeah, so he's not here this week. At least not as you would traditionally expect. Because he is here in a different way. Din, din. Craig and Cruz, Craig and Cruz, Craig and Cruz. Uh, yeah, that's my intro to new segment, Craig on Cruz. Uh, sorry guys, I couldn't be there this evening. Um, I saw Mission Impossible Fallout and I've been running ever since. Um, so I'm very far away from the studio. Yes, Mission Impossible Fallout review. Um, shockingly, I loved it. Um, the living manifestation of destiny did it again. Ethan Hunt, so incredible. Um, shout out to Alec Baldwin. Some amazing like monologues from more or less the get-go. I won't go into spoilers, but MVP for me. Um, Ving Rhames, great to have him back in the fold. It's not getting tired, lads. It's the sixth installment, and like already, I'm like, I need to see it four more times to see where it's like slots into the pantheon. 
Um, because to be honest, at this stage, yes, Mission Impossible 2 was by far the worst one because of the awful direction and um, a dreadful bad guy. Um, and it was still like fucking really enjoyable. But then it's a throw up between the next f five, isn't it? Um, and I think that's like this one is right up there. So, yes, um, definitely worth the effort of going to the cinema more than once in a year for and I will be returning to see it again soon um, and yeah like I think t Tom Cruise was talking about how in the past he was never really on board with franchises or sequels because he thought like eh bit lame but then he realized with Mission that actually what it gives you is like a connection with the audience and you can you know there's certain things you all recognize and there's jokes you can play off and there's like emotional heft there occasionally and it might sound like it's kind of oh yeah well it's just a bit of a, a cash cow but actually i think he's right when it comes to mission impossible i think the longer it goes on the better it kind of gets the kind of more depth it has it's very knowing and yes it is like fucking bombs going to go off and like oh we have to get the detonator um, but it's like, it's so impressive how fun that ridiculously cliche stuff is. And yeah, worth the price of admission alone for Tom Cruise, wearily calling Henry Cavill a prick. Peace out, lads. Talk to you. Oh, and R.I.P. Aretha Franklin, the Queen. I'd rest us off. There we go. He is repelling from the ceiling there. Who knew that Craig was such a jingle meister? Yeah, who knew? I thought that was going to be the entire voice message. But no, I'm glad he finally, finally got to the cinema. His priorities are in check. Cinema, yes. Podcast, no. Okay. Yeah, well, look, I mean, you know what? It's your fault, Dave. You were the one pushing him to go to the movie the whole time. I really was. Yeah. And in fairness, I, ha I haven't gone to see it It's like Homer time. Simpson. There's only space in his brain for so many things. And if he learns about a new movie, he forgets he has a podcast. Well, let's hope that we don't distract him from his dissertation, because that's going to be important. Mm. In fact, it's so important to Craig. And in fairness, you know, we rib him, but it's true. We want our boy to graduate with honours, which he will. But it means a strange, bad thing in that Craig will not be available for a forthcoming show that we're doing. That's right. I think he's back next week. Yeah. But the week after, he won't be around. That's right. Now, that sounds like standard issue enough. It does. Not that big of a deal. No. However. Yeah. I've got an announcement. Okay. The festival hiatus is over. I know, and it's been broken big time. Because. When I went on the big shop the other day, I bought wet wipes, Dave. I'm glad you did. That's how seriously we're taking this. Cullum and I are going to a festival. We're going to Electric Picnic, We're folks. going to Electric Picnic, and we're not just going to Electric Picnic. We're not just regular punters there, no. No, no, we're talent. Yeah. That's right. We're doing no encore live. We're doing no encore live at Electric Picnic in the minefield, the old stomping ground where Cullum and I used to do interviews for Hot Press. Yep. We won't be in the Hot Press tent. No. Nope. We'll be in the brand new podcast tent. That's right. It's called I Hear. Yes, it is. And we will be sharing the stage there with a bunch of other uh, acts from the Headstuff Podcast Network. And the likes of Lisa Hannigan and Blind Boy from the Rubber Bandits and other mm -hmm. podcast heavyweights just like us. And I believe our show takes place on Sunday at 1.45pm. That's what I've been told right now. Yeah. I mean, these things are always subject to change. Of but course. this is what we've been told we can say for yeah. now. And obviously we'll update you as the week goes on. It's all very last minute in a good way. We finally, they caved to our demands. <laughs> the contract has been signed. Yeah. And taking Craig Fitzpatrick's place on the stage will be none other than the fourth member of the show. A box drum. <laughs> A box drum. That's right. Festival staple. So it's me, 
Cullum O'Regan, a box drum, and Dahi O'Droni. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Dahi's in. Because Dahi's uh, Dahi's pulling triple duty now at that festival because he's got two sets. Oh, yeah? And now he's got the podcast. So, so yeah. He's doing two sets, is he? He is, yeah, yeah. He's doing, and one of them is a, a pretty prime selection. He gets very, look at me, look at me. He's got a me? fucking entourage of 11 people. He can't bring us down the car. Because <laughs> it's a clown car, apparently, with 11 people. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, Jesus <laughs> but, Christ. But we won't slag him off too much because we need him. <laughs> we do, <laughs> we yeah. need him to bring his charisma <laughs> to the stage. So, yeah, seriously, guys, I mean, like, I'm going to go to fucking Electric Picnic this year, which I didn't think I would be doing. Yeah. But here we are. And, yeah, so, look, if you're there... Sunday, hung over the fuck, one o'clock-ish, you know? I mean, you're not going to be going to see anybody else, right? It's true. So get to the minefield and come hang out with us. That's right. It's going to be awesome. We'll have beers after and everything. And it's day three, so you know we're going to be in a really bad way. That's true. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's right. No Encore Live, podcast, tent, I hear podcast tent. Mm-hmm. Electric Picnic, Sunday afternoon. We're still doing the live show in the Workman's Club as part of the podcast festival in Sunday, October the 14th. Get tickets for that one on Ticketmaster right now. You've either got your tickets for Picnic or you don't. So we'll see you there. And uh, yeah, in other news, before Sight. we before we kick off, um, I would uh, encourage you, if you would like to go to the website that I write for joe.ie over the weekend, on Saturday morning, I'm publishing a feature that I've been working on for a few weeks now uh, about music and mental health. And it was quite tricky to put together. It's something I've poured myself into quite a bit. Regular listeners of the show will know of my own kind of mental health issues that I've discussed on the show before. Um, I tried to channel that. I was inspired by the one-year anniversary of the passing of Chester Bennington. And then as as soon as I started writing about that, I realized this was a much bigger piece. And it is still a much bigger piece, despite me chucking down about 4,000 words on it. it's one of those pieces that you know you could write another four thousand words tomorrow. You could write another four thousand words next month, and maybe people will. But I felt compelled to write about it, and uh, you know, without getting too dramatic, this piece took a lot out of me. And I am happy with the outcome. If happy is the right word, I don't know if it is. I spoke to Mary Kate Garrity. I spoke to Roisin Murphy. I spoke to psychologist Dr. Owen Gallivan for the piece, and I would like you to read it if you want to read it. If you want to go check it out. If music and mental health are subjects that interest you, and you, like, if you'd like to just give it a go, give it a go. I mean, I'm badly promoting this because I don't quite know what else to say. If I'm honest, I've been working so hard on it that like, it's only finally kind of come to an end, and I've yet to really kind of sit back and um, decompress from it. But if you want to go to either my Twitter account at Henry Dave or to Joe at the weekend from Saturday morning and check it out, it's called Music, uh, Mental Health, and the Struggle to Connect. Uh, the Strange Beast That Lies Within. So go give it a read if you would like to. But in other news this week, uh, big news, Cullum. We've talked about this before. We've talked about ticket touts and their vile ways. Yeah. And it turns out uh, Ticketmaster have done a babyface turn entirely of their own making and definitely not due to any kind of incoming legislation pressures that they may be facing. I know, yeah. Well, Ireland obviously took the stance uh, in terms of uh, things like Seatwave and Get Me In and all the rest of it. Ticketmaster have announced, yeah, that Seatwave will be no more. Um, They will introduce instead a kind of a a peer-to-peer, fan-to-fan ticket service, as they call it, Um, a ticket exchange where basically you can have to sell and buy at cost price uh, and booking fee which is reasonable, I suppose. And, yeah, that basically from now on, no new events will be added to Seatwave. A step in the right direction, there's no doubt. I mean, t- the sceptic in me still doesn't believe that Ticketmaster are acting 
absolutely out of the goodness of their hearts. No, they're not. And the spin for this is absolutely masterful. And in fairness, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's one of those things where if someone is has been fired or something has gone horribly wrong, a corporation or a company has no choice but to spin it in whatever way they can. So, like, they kind of announce it as, big news from Ticketmaster, we're shutting down Seatwave. That's right, we've listened and we hear you. Secondary sites just don't cut it anymore. And you're tired of seeing other snap-up tickets just to resell for a profit. All we want is you, the fan, to be able to buy tickets to the events you love. So we're launching a fan-to-fan ticket exchange. Uh, new website's coming out next year. They sign off by saying, We're excited about making ticketing simpler. All you need to think about are those incredible experiences you'll never forget. Now, again, in fairness, what I will say is, you know, I don't envy the marketing department that had to put that together. What are they going to do? Yeah. Like, they got to say something. But immediately, people were like, yeah, you guys have been forced to do this. Yeah, like, and what's more, it also came out as the US has started rolling out their dynamic ticket pricing. I'm not sure if you've seen this. No. Basically, they're adjusting the prices of tickets depending on demand, essentially is the best way to put it. It's basically so that you don't have a scenario where there's tons of empty seats and people going, well, like, you know, I would have gone if it cost a tenner, but not if it cost 50 quid. So basically, if there's going to be loads of empty seats the week before a gig, the tickets will come down in price. That's at least in theory how it should work. Obviously, if there's a gig with really high demand, prices go skyrocketing for even like the most basic tickets within, you know, a minute or two of them going on sale. You're talking about hundreds of dollars. So they're having real teething problems with that. And so basically, you know, they give it and they take it away. The second the Ticketmaster seemed to be doing a good thing with the secondary ticketing, everyone was just like, ah, yeah, you're still fucking up on other areas of your business. Not like society to find the one negative and the potential positive, I guess. Um, (laughs) Something we probably should have kicked off the news section with, but I launched into that one uh, because the news only broke shortly before we started recording. Aretha Franklin, uh, the Queen of Soul, has passed away at the age of 76 from pancreatic cancer on Thursday morning at her home in Detroit. As you can imagine, tributes have been absolutely flooding in for a legitimate legend and icon of the music industry. And like this, you know, like without sounding glib, this had been coming. Like people had been yeah. kind of, there had been like eulogies written like in media res. And, you know, like to, the, to the point where you were like, wait a minute, hang on. I mean, like, what? Like, I mean, like, it wasn't a surprise. And the cause of death was revealed, obviously, as, you know, pancreatic cancer, which is a horrific way to go. Um, you know, her family have put out a statement saying in one of the darkest moments of our lives, we're not able to find the appropriate words to express the pain in our heart. We have lost the matriarch and the rock of our family. The love she had for her children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews and cousins knew no bounds. We've been deeply touched by the incredible outpouring of love and support we've received from close friends, supporters and fans all around the world. Thank you for your compassion and prayers. We felt your love for Aretha and it brings us comfort to know that her legacy will live on. And her legacy will live on. I mean, in fairness, we're talking about a legitimate icon here. That's it, yeah. Like, to understand Aretha, frankly, you have to understand kind of the situation into which she became a star, I suppose, and... You know, at the start of both the burgeoning civil rights movement and the feminist movement, she was kind of at the forefront of both. Um, neither intentionally, she'll say herself, although given that her dad was like buddies with Martin Luther King and part of a revolutionary movement in civil rights himself, um, you know, it's no coincidence, I suppose, that she had that that element to her. And it was just her level of importance at that time as well. It was summed up brilliantly by somebody i think it might have been dick gregory it's just a quote that i read earlier uh where he was saying like you know you'd only see martin luther king on the news but you'd hear aretha franklin about four times an hour on the radio and i think that's why you know she she became quite a, a such an iconic figure at the time really yeah and um, all we can say is rest in peace and mm-hmm. thank you for all the incredible music that will continue to inspire people and and give people you know like hope and and love and joy and all those great things about music she was a fucking legend um, this week, there has been a debate, a fresh debate, and one that we've kind of run into before. 
And, you know, as two middle-class white men, I don't quite know what we can add to it, but we can certainly discuss the the current state of it. Um, The word urban, like, as used as a musical category, I feel like in recent years it has almost naturally organically tailed off in a lot of ways. I mean, I, th- I think you, you hit a point where you're like, yeah. wait a minute, like, is this the right word for this? I mean, like, for a lot of people, lazy journalists, I guess, and maybe lazy just music fans, yeah. it can be a catch-all term for the word black. I mean, like, yeah. like, like this is legitimately a problem. At the same time, you would have people whether it's Spotify representatives or perhaps even artists themselves are saying, no, 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 it's a reclamation. Like, we're actually using this word and, and like, we're going to give it a new meaning. We're going to empower it. But there are people who think, no, 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 not at all. This is actually a very reductive word. And some of the most lauded music executives on the other side of the Atlantic have kind of seen the word included in their job titles at some point. People who've worked for the likes of Republic and Island and YouTube and Geffen and so on and so forth. Um, But there's been kind of fresh debate about this because uh, one man in particular, a very interesting guy, uh, Sam Taylor, He's the the kind of American like senior vice president of creative for Cobalt, mm, yeah. um, but he has like real pedigree in the hip hop and R and B worlds. He was in, he's been involved with the likes of Kendrick Lamar on some of his like couple of his biggest tracks and various others. Like the list is as long as my arm. Um, but he uh, put up a freshly published kind of Q and A and said he, he was asked like like in the Q and A was hey look you know. Talk to me about the word urban. What do you think of the word urban, yeah. And he said, I hate and despise the word urban. The word urban feels to me like a project. It feels like something that needs to be built. It's basically like, oh, this urban neighbourhood means low income, not safe. When you say urban music to me, it's letting uh, me know that you think it needs to be rebuilt. And nothing about hip-hop and R&B needs to be rebuilt. Nothing. Hip-hop has been running for 40-something years, R&B even longer. And it's been successful every single year. The word urban is not synonymous with the words hip-hop and R&B. It's a quick-ass way of not having to say that. Sure, fine, I get that, but let's think of another word. Yeah. I mean, first off, you know, like, let's say it at the top here. Genres, in general, get insanely messy, right? Now, not usually with racial or socioeconomic connotations, as urban, you know, does for an awful lot of people, but... You know, it's messy. I mean, there, 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 there are quotes that have been gathered over the past couple of days, you know, regarding this debate, where somebody was saying, you know, like, why, why can't we just call Drake pop? And it's like, well, sure, but, like, it's not like pop hasn't made some people break out in rashes over the past 20 years, like, with just an absolute disdain for that word being used anywhere near their music, you know? it, it And... Like someone else was saying, like, you know, it's just a lazy umbrella term. And it's like, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. But frankly, that's the same reason why we rail against anybody who uses guitar music as just like this massive sweeping statement. It it is very tricky. And the bottom line is that, yeah, trying to use these genres as a descriptor is always going to cause problems. But especially when, yeah, there are sort of connotations that probably go beyond the music itself. I feel like, and this is a strange analogy to draw, but because it's a current one, it's in my head. I mean, the Premier League returned at the weekend there. Mm. And there was a, I don't know if you saw this, there was a situation where like Peter Cech for Arsenal almost like basically passed the ball into his own net. And there's this new style that they're playing of passing the ball out from the back. Right. But Arsenal recently signed uh, essentially what looks like the successor to Peter Cech in goals, a guy called Bernd Leno from like Bayer Leverkusen. Now the Bayer Leverkusen English Twitter account is kind of like the Roma yeah. one where they, yeah. like, it's all about banter, mate. And they basically kind of slagged off Peter Cech and were like, you know, hey, we kind of know a guy because they sold that guy to them and so on. Peter Cech went on Twitter and basically like had this very profound, this is completely dehumanizing, like this isn't funny, yada, yada, yada. And they kind of had a bit of a mock apology. It led to a debate and it's hilarious in in a way because it's like, 
we are literally talking about the Twitter account of a club run yeah. by some lowly paid social media guy as an official club statement, but that's kind of what it is because he represents that. But ultimately, the kind of point was made in as much as it's Peter Cech who gets to decide how he feels about this. He's, sure. the, he's the recipient of, in this case, what he perceived to be some form of abuse. Now, with regards to the word urban in the music industry, you know, the aforementioned names we've mentioned and the quotes that we've given, especially, as already noted, as two Irish white lads, I think absolutely it's not for us. Sure. If, so if people, whether it's a Kendrick Lamar or whether it's anyone, yeah. like, you know, a fucking a Tebby Rex in Dublin, like, you know, if they're like, hey, listen, actually, no, 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 no. You don't get to say that. We do, but we get to do what we want with it. And also, this is what it should mean. And the way of the, the way that it's been kind of like used already simply doesn't work. Well, then I'm like, yeah, fucking like, totally. Like, let's, you know, like you guys steer the conversation. But like someone on the other side of this is Austin Darbo, who is a Spotify guy. He's the head of shows and editorial in the UK. And he previously put up a playlist a few months ago called The New Era as in, like, Era, the Irish, uh, for Ireland, um, in which it was full of hip-hop, R&B, and grime music. And even the way that was phrased, it was like, you know, the word urban was in there, I believe. And I wrote a story on it for Joe, and, like, you know, I kind of followed his lead. And, like, you know, I I referred to black music, I think. And and inevitably in the fucking comments, people were like, what? And I'm like, again, I mean, like, language is changing and how we present things, and it's not necessarily for us. But Austin Darbo has kind of taken the other side of things. I guess he read the same article I did because he had a Twitter thread in which he said, in the UK, the term urban music used to mean small, marginalized, and edgy. Corporations abuse the word to keep black music sectioned off it now means big credible and it's the number one genre for young people in the uk he then goes on to note his company's position and says that when spotify uk talks about urban we're talking about hundreds of millions of streams big sold out arena events and groundbreaking partnerships with rappers singers producers and brands he mentions that he's in the industry over 10 years and he's seen the debate over and over again and and how basically every time an alternative term is coined people get offended and he makes salient points but my problem with his salient points are he wraps it up in a very corporate way and goes, here's what we're going to do. We're reclaiming the word urban and making sure it's only positive connotations from now on. Big music, big events, big investment. And don't get me wrong, as I say, it's not for us to reclaim that word. We've been listening to you, the fans. But that's what that is. Going to, it is. He's gone Ticketmaster's he closing He went sequence. straight into, like, it's almost as if like, like his avatar changed to the Spotify logo yeah, at the end yeah. there. And I was like, this is a strange thing because you're seeing a guy here who is, you know, almost like stuck between stations. Yeah. He has to defend his job. Of course. Yeah. You know? I mean, I mean, look, I mean, ultimately the, the, the issue here is that like, in a sense, like in one way the ship has sailed. Like, to stop using the word urban, yeah, like that's easily doable. To replace it with a new word, I just don't think that can really happen. So, well, we might not have to. I mean, like you know, aforementioned um, St- Sam Taylor, sorry, mm-hmm. um, did say just call it fucking hip hop and R and B. Like yeah. he was like, that's what it is. Yeah, and like he, like he's like, yeah, for sure. Like denote them. Call yeah. one what it is and one what it is. Like don't get like don't mix them up. Yeah, and go into subsections. Yeah, if you want, like yeah, which yeah, I think yeah. people are mostly doing. I mean, like it is like, like I, you, I, you know, Craig when you mix up grime and drill. He's yeah, just I mean, like, like oh. It's one of the reasons why he's not here. He refused to acknowledge the story. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I mean, like, the ten eleven boys for the evening instead. I think it's mostly fair. I mean, like, like I, like I think it's that thing. It's very uncool. It's like it's like that guy who interviewed James Blake on Newsnight. I'm sure he uses the fucking word urban. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he definitely. You does, can yeah. tell. Like, like yeah. I think ultimately, you know, like if you drop the word urban into a conversation, people are probably gonna be like, "What are you on about?" Like, I mean, like, yeah, it, I know. Yeah, it, but, da- it dates you, you know, sure. like, and yeah. it, it makes you like stand out as someone who doesn't have a fucking clue. I think it. Yeah, I mean, when you mentioned that BBC guy though, like I can hear it almost in his voice. 
voice though and I know right I, I think it's the pa- urban yeah but it's, <laughs> it's also the pause immediately beforehand that really loads it you know as if, yeah. like if you described somebody as being uh, exotic you're like that's racist <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, no, com- man completely <laughs> context is everything no but like, like I'm glad of these conversations and even like okay later on we're going like our album review this week is Jake Shears mm-hmm. openly gay artist a man who has been characterised by a flamboyant personality and I've already been thinking about that review and I'm like oh my god I, like, I really desperately hope I don't say the wrong thing as a fucking straight white Irish guy yeah. you know so yeah like again you learn from these things simply by the experiences of other people and I think in this case the other people have made very valid points Austin Darbo has but also is making sure he gets paid at the end of the week. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, one band who have never and will never be accused of being urban are Aerosmith. Well, hang on. The Run DMC collaboration. No, 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 no. Pretty, I'm no? not having it, mate. Okay. I'm not having All right. it. All no. right. Fair enough. But why are we talking about Aerosmith? Well, very briefly, last week we were talking about Las Vegas residencies. They have now signed up to do one. Proof positive, surely, that it is not just... An old retirement home, right? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> April the 6th, 2019. Juices are wild will kick off. Um, they have signed up for, what is it? I, I think like 18 shows for April, June and July. Uh, tickets priced from 75 to 750 bucks. Can I just point out? Yeah. This is a band in their sixth decade. I know, yeah. That is bizarre. Yeah, and... Speed Emotion was, like, what, 1968 or something, was it? Like, I, I guess, well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It's tune, but, like... Yeah, and proof positive, they go back a long way. Uh, their tour van from the 1970s was found in the middle of a woods uh, on an Amer- on an episode of American Pickers, which I gather is this kind of, like... Oh, what, you don't know what this show is? I'm, I, I've never seen it, but, like, I mean, I've seen a lot of How you, similar... You're the guy, like, you're the go-to for this kind of stuff. You're, like, like you're like Dave, oh, you've never seen America, like, you Come on, from your time in the States and, like, just your knowledge of, like, pop culture, like, of, yeah. a, of the strange variety. No, I mean, like, I know... I, like, I'm not I mean, having it, man. I'm not buying it. I imagine it's <laughs> quite, like, you know, those pawn shop shows, like, where they find shit... I've never seen it, but I assume that they... Yeah, get yeah. things valued and valued. sorry, you left out one keyword here, like the headline, which I love. Aerosmith's van was found rotting in the woods. Oh, it, was, yeah, it just yeah. conjures up like horror movie imagery. I know. It's yeah. like a Scooby Doo van. Have you seen it? No, oh, yeah. Oh, it's in bits. Like, oh, it's horrendous. Yeah, and they bought it for like what twenty five grand or something. Yeah, I love as well. Like they they reached out to um you know proper members uh, of the band. Uh, Black Keys member Dan Auerbach was called in to help. I don't know what his connection to American Pickers is. This is opening up a Pandora's box of questions. Maybe just get rid of vans that are found in the woods. Yeah, but either, a fixer. Way, either way, they got on to uh, Ray Tavano, who was part of the band for like a couple of years. Uh, he was able to confirm that it was indeed a 1964 International Harvester Metro that uh, he and the rest of the band used to drive around. And uh, yeah, the presenters of the show ended up buying the rusted piece of junk for 25 grand. Fair enough. I hope it gives them a lot of joy. So just give it a few weeks, it'll be down Thunder Road Cafe in Temple Bar or something. <sighs> Best burgers in Dublin. Allegedly, yeah. <laughs> I'll never know because of the fucking noise complaint that you get every time you walk by there. Yeah. Horrible. So uh a hodgepodge of news this week, guys. There's yeah. no real obvious link here. I'll just say it. Uh in honestly what's the point corner Mark David Chapman, the man who murdered John Lennon, is up for parole again in what will be his 10th attempt. This is Shawshank Redemption levels of trolling at this stage. Yeah. Uh, he ain't he never was, getting out, and nor he, should he. Yeah, he was denied two years ago, and he's since described the murder as selfish and evil, so it's not looking great. You think? Yeah. You think gunning a man down outside of his gaff, like, without a word, apparently, or whatever it was. Yeah, you think that's selfish and evil? Yeah, it is. Yeah. 
Like, I'm yeah. glad you've learned your lesson, but like, and like, I'm all. It doesn't seem to have learned his lesson, otherwise, they'd leave to let him out. I'm all for a rehabilitation, but I don't know. I mean, like, I'm not even like as as we know, not a Beatles fan, <laughs> rather not a John Lennon fan. <laughs> but I'll say this: I don't think he deserves to be shot dead. Good job, Dave. That is that is generous. <laughs> I tell you, how, that I'm, is generous. I'm maturing. <laughs> uh, in a Travis Scott update, seeing as we reviewed his album last yeah. week, because Craig was kind of making the point, like, you know, what's this guy going to do? Like, what does he really care about? You know, like, I don't think he wants it enough. He's too rich. Like, yeah. so is he focusing on his music? Uh, he's focusing on some sort of music, it seems. Uh, Travis Scott uh, will be uh, curating the 2K soundtrack, uh, NBA 2K19. Uh, will be released shortly, and he is going to be the executive producer. He appeared in a video call with LeBron James, uh, saying, It's an honor, it's dope. I always like a chance to be able to curate music. I play 2K all the time, play with my homies, picked up 2K a year or two ago, but it became a super addiction. They're good games, fairness. Like They're okay. They're fun. Yeah. yeah. I know. It's not a video game person. Friend of the show, Dave Higgins, is a big fan. Of course he is. Well, you know, I think he's in the game as well. Much like Michael B. Jordan was in like the game a couple of years sure, ago, like, yeah, yeah. You, you know, like he's your mate until he's not your mate or something. Playable characters, like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of cool. I mean, like that's what this is now. Like, like again, you know, you talk about brands, you talk about you know, like keeping your fucking, you know, like it's not enough to just be a standard musician anymore. You have to do a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And with that in mind, it's time for the debut of a new segment. Attention, everyone! One, one. Shut up, Dave Hanrady. I'm Kanye. That's right. <laughs> it's Dave on Kanye. Yeah. Yep. Ask me anything. Take the reins, bro. I, what does Craig usually do? I, I usually just sit here and like let him work just his magic. Says what's been happening, basically. Do I do it? Well, try and do a Craig impression? No. All right, so Kanye mm. West, right? Uh, back in the news, having all kinds of fun. Uh, so, yeah, essentially, Kanye West has done a couple of things this week. Which one do you want first? Uh, the song. That's right. He released a song. It's called XTCY, and it sounds like this. I got more of them. You got a sister-in-law, you a smash, I got four of them. Damn, those are your sisters. You did something unholy to them pictures. Damn, you need to be locked up. Nah, we need a bigger hot tub. Now let me see your bag, 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 bag. Time to get the bag, 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 bag. Yeah, throwaway, I think, yeah. is the best way of describing it. Very throwaway. The big talking point is that he said he would like to have sex with all of his sisters-in-law. You know what? Not a lot that I have in common with Kanye. There's one. Cullum, you are the living end. Must you? <laughs> Must you be as reductive as this man? Sorry, really? buddy. Well, I mean, it's a, uh, like, you, get, you get excited. You're like, oh, new Kanye West song. And it's, yeah, it's, it's nothing. It's mm. like, I'm in the studio, I'm having a lark. It's a lot better than going kind of, Poopy scoop as he did a few months ago. So it definitely you know. is. Yeah, it's grand. Not official release. Like it was available via WeTransfer yeah. by DJ Clark Kent, who <laughs> premiered the song and apparently produced it. And it sounds like it was produced on a phone, recording another phone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Throw away enough, no problem. I believe it was all in celebration of uh, Kylie Jenner's twenty first birthday. Sure, twenty one. She's only twenty one. There you go. A billionaire. Self-made, quote unquote. Make you sick, so it would. <laughs> However, Kanye West did something a little bit better this week. He went on Jimmy Kimmel and spoke for 20 minutes. Not for the important four, though. Hmm? Not for the important four seconds. Oh, do you mean the bit where, like... Yeah, where he asked I felt he was a bit stitched up there. Well, I mean, like... So, context, everybody. Uh, yeah. D- Donald yeah. Trump came up, of course, and at one stage, Kimmel kind of said, hey, you know, you previously said George Bush doesn't care about black people... 
what makes him the Donald Trump does. And then Kanye like took a moment to try and like think of something to say. And there was a bit of a pregnant pause. And then Kimmel was like, let's go to a break. And the audience kind of giggled and came back. Yeah. But I, I, I'm not saying he was stitched up, but I, I think people it seized, came across badly. But, pe- uh, but, but they people seized take- on it, and they were like, he, "He had no idea." And I was like, the, the, "He was just taking yeah. a moment to think about they, it." They I mean, both like, said afterwards as well. The look, yeah, like you know, to be fair, that's a proper question, and it probably takes more than two seconds <laughs> to formulate your answer. Plus, and, it was a know. very wide ranging interview in the space of twenty minutes. They talked about all kinds of things, and ultimately, yeah. I felt Kanye came across very well. Uh, but I would, wouldn't I? But but generally, I, th- I thought he did. I mean, he like he spoke about his kind of core values at the moment, his belief system that you know people are too afraid, and it's fear that stops us from kind of fully you know like tapping into our best selves and achieving our best goals, which is an argument you could totally make. And sure. you know, I believe he comes from a place of love, and it was refreshing to see some people kind of go into that like video i'm basing this on youtube comments which you never ever should do but there are plenty of people there who were like i was ready to hate this guy because he's fucking shit but actually he said things that i agree with um like he, i don't think you can hate him like, like he comes across as just like well-meaning oh, a lot of people do well-meaning bit of a goof um he, he noted that um you know with his despite his newfound respect for women he still uh hits a porn hub on the yep. regular um but he did say a lot of other things a lot of really That's the second thing we have in common there sorry a lot of interesting things i mean like i i felt that ultimately i think you know his there's a great moment where he said something kind of profound and the audience were about to start clapping and he kind of kept going and he caught that and he goes i know you guys want to clap but don't worry everything i'm everything i'm about to say is amazing oh yeah but like the, that's the canyon <laughs> that's why people can't hate him but it's say. knowing he's knowing I, I thought it was a really good interview uh i yeah. thought i thought kimmel did actually a fairly decent job of a guy who was clearly like you know like throwing out soft enough punches but also sure. you know giving him the, the platform to talk and you know, like, I mean, like, you're, you know where you are at this stage with Kanye West or not. Like, you know if, like, you know, if you think he's... But, like, but I think it was very important. I, I think, it, like, it lends further credence to how he approached the tracks on his album, and especially a track like I Thought About Killing You, and just how he was like, no, I'm not going to not say this. People don't want me to say this. And even, the, even, the, even his rationale of the Trump thing, while I don't agree with like, him supporting him, I mean, he did say, like, people wanted to decide my choice for me sure yeah no 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 of course look i mean all those things absolutely make sense yeah it, it, i guess they're just not they, you know they don't get you off scot-free from everything i guess is just basically what i'd say there but yeah look i agree he came across well luckily he's a smart guy and clearly himself and kimmel have patched things up so that's good to know yeah glad of it glad of it now let's have a less controversial musician shall we <laughs> let's uh, a few months on the show ago, a few months ago on the show, rather, uh, we played a couple of tracks by A. Smith. Let's have a reminder of what kind of music he makes. And we are joined in studio at long last by A. Smith. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello. Thank you, Jonathan. There you go. Give it up. Uh, long time coming, I yeah. would say. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. Been, there's, been, there's been seeds. There has been seeds. <laughs> Planted. It all, it all start with a sandwich. It all start with like a sandwich. Like all good stories, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was before that, though, I think. it was. Um, we played your first single this year because you've been releasing yeah. your run of singles. Mm-hmm. And we played the first one. And I was like, this is really good. And yeah. in doing so, I slagged off your previous band. Yes. And now you're here to beat the shit out of me, I suppose? Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> Go easy on me, please. I'm very delicate. 
So, uh, your old band, Van Music. Yes. What was that like by comparison to now, would you say? I mean, in terms of just, like, striking out on your own and... I mean, like, why did I have such a problem with this band, I think, is the real question. Perhaps you could answer I've, that. I have no idea. I have no idea. Some people love that band and then... You know, other people didn't love that band. Yeah. Um, to be fair, I think it's kind of irrational. I know Craig, who is not here today. I think Craig, into- was it you or was it Craig? Someone for, for Hot Press back in the day. I certainly interviewed you guys one time. Did you? Yeah, at Independence 2014, I'm going to really? say. Yeah, on the couches and that kind of I chaff remember, roomy I thing. I, yeah. I remember the couches. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> Not the interview. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, clearly I just blended into the scenery there. <laughs> but uh, Inanimate Furniture well, did a better impression. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. It's I all wanna, right. I want to say, oh yeah, I remember, but I'm not going to lie. Okay. I mean, in fairness, I didn't... It, it, like, we wasn't really the peak of either of our professional careers, <laughs> no. so it's all good. I mean, like, not to pull back the curtain too much here, but like, there is that thing, whether it's in the Irish journalism community or whether that community extends beyond this table, I don't know. But like, we've often had this thing about being like, oh God, I bet, the, I bet those guys are fucking wankers. I bet they're, I bet they're terrible <laughs> people. And then you meet them. And of course, they're like the nicest people in the world. Um, for whatever reason with our music, I was like, oh, it's not for me. And it became this kind of running gag, I think, you know, like, like many of the running gags in my life. They don't actually accurately reflect. I sound like I'm backtracking here, don't oh, I? Big time, <laughs> yeah, yeah, big yeah, yeah. time, mate. It's because I've, like, yeah. I'm gonna do, I've got my hand on oh, he's doing the you know? He's doing the Arthur fist <laughs> underneath yeah, yeah. the desk. You look here. like you've got a very long reach. I feel <laughs> like... I really... I used to box as well. Uh, uh, brilliant. <laughs> now you tell me. <laughs> dig up, Dave. Dig up. Uh, how was the boxing? Let, let's talk about your pugilistic career. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so Van Music, uh, kind of a more pop synth-based kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah more yeah pop-based songwriting, um, more synth-based collection of songs. It was it was a roller coaster. It was brilliant. It was great crack, but it was time for change, you know, for me. And I think with the guys, it was I think everyone wanted to do something different, and they all had a different vision for what it was, you know, or for what they thought of Van Music could or should be and I had a completely different vision and I just wanted to I was writing so many songs I was writing so much material that uh, and it was all guitar based like there is there is still synths in the music and but I just wanted to go in a different direction like obviously yeah so when you strike out on your own I mean you're starting with a clean slate I suppose in yeah, many ways really, yeah is that freeing is it intimidating is it Nerve-wracking? Is it's, it all of the above? It's a bit of both. Like, I I spent two years... I, like, I didn't play a show for two years. And I just wrote every day to start making record. I actually did a lot of work in this studio as well, downstairs. I recorded two versions um, of the record that I'm going to put out next year. So, like, I spent a long time writing. It is really intimidating, to come back to that question. Like, when you start on your own, you realise... You know, at the beginning of a record, and when you're writing, there's nobody there actually to bounce any ideas off. So you don't really know if anything you're doing is any good. Yeah. You know, and it's only what you think, oh yeah, this really gets me going. And then you'll, you know, catalogue it and you'll come back and you go, oh God, this just isn't, you know, up to scratch. And that's probably why it's taken me two years to, you know, get out there, because, like get a whole selection of songs I was going to say as well like, are the pragmatics of it are a completely different thing as well because I always remember talking to CeCe Brez like almost two years to the day but it was like one of the first times that he'd played a solo gig after Republic of Loose he did uh, at Electric Picnic and he was like Jesus, there's a lot to look after you when, like, you don't have the rest of the band there. I mean, like, you know, I should have been sound checking and instead I was trying to sort pit passes for people. Like, It is. 
like you really you really find out you're your own manager you're your own everything like organizing everything it's fine like i love that side of things but it, it jesus christ it can drive you mad sometimes you know especially when you're to and from festivals and stuff like that you know what i mean this kind of you got to make sure you're holding your holding yourself together and making sure the guys are in and everyone's sort of because i play with a new band now so it's kind of a whole different ball game um so to speak you're kind of gotta make sure everything works you know what i mean whereas there's maybe four of you that take an equal share of responsibility it's interesting i mean like i think you know a couple things you've said there the current kind of conversation and like i've mentioned already in the piece that i've written for joe Mm. the idea of like musicians and how it's not like you don't have a contract you don't have a rule book you don't have like this this office space you are as you say your own manager yeah and also the idea of i think you know we have this romantic idea of somebody going out on their own um Mm. whether the band was you know the biggest band in the world or whether it was you know like a product of your youth or whatever it was and you're kind of almost like oh well like there you go and like like they've cut all their ties there like like surely now it's like this perfect experience yeah yeah I guess, you know, it's interesting that you kind of mentioned the kind of the fear factor there and kind of finding yourself almost like on your own. Because, I mean, like, it is that kind of idea of connection and having someone to lean on while also trying to, like, make this a nine to five vocation. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose like that, like that there, like that's there too. I mean, and then like playing shows, starting all over again. Like we, like, I'm, I'm now playing a couple of months. What, what's it? Eight months. I'm eight months into a public solo career, you know, and you notice things that are kind of different like you know the like the festival the festival slots are you know you're at different times now you're not high up the bill playing on you know higher stages but like that's okay i mean you got to start again so there's that kind of thing like oh yeah jesus yeah back to the you know real hard graft at the start but it's really rewarding i find like i like this year so far has been super insofar as my songs are i suppose like i'm getting a good bit of radio play now you know which is super you know, it wasn't, you know, I didn't think that, you know, when I started out with these songs, you know, land land on radio, I didn't think that would happen. And now, you know, they're starting to, you know, starting to get played. So that's like, that's good. It's still really daunting, though. You know, you you like you really don't know. And you're looking for like different musicians to do different things in studio because, you know, your skill set is limited to, you know, I can play you know, guitar, fairly handy, but if you need, you know, an instrumentalist or something like that, no one's there to hand. You really have to figure out, you know, what way you're going to approach. And know. I mean, with regard, like, like I, I like the idea again, it's another romantic thing of like, you know, like going, going back to the bottom of the ladder mm. and kind of working your way up. I guess like there's that kind of sense of camaraderie and I guess through festivals, you probably see a lot of the same faces and that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, like in terms of just like your own kind of starting out at the start of the year, eight months in, mm. is there anything where you're like, oh, Jesus, I would never do that again. Like how fast is this evolution is what I'm kind of wondering. From like the start of the year till now, yeah. Just in terms of like kind of like I mean like picking it up as you go along, and like despite the previous experience of being yeah. in a band, you learn every single release you do. You learn something different, you know. Like that's what I found. Um, and each release, like it, it's funny, you c- it's not like nothing is certain. You know what I mean? Like that I found like so far. If you like send out a ton of emails, you know what I mean. Not everything comes back straight away. <laughs> like not the way it used to. You know because. I find it right now, like radio, television, you know, bookers, everything. They're getting like so many emails now every day. You nearly have to be, before you do anything, you've got to plan months in advance, even for like one song. Mm. 
you know, you got to be talking to people going, listen, you know, will you make sure you take a look at this when it comes in and, you know, you send the yeah. track and keeping them kind of in the loop, that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, mistakes, have I made any mistakes, I suppose, in the way? Yeah, definitely. Like you might leave some stuff too late, you know, if you like want to get reviewed, you know, but you just, I guess you're learning all the time. The power of music journalists, Colin. I know, yeah, yeah, the power yeah. we wield, Dave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that must be frustrating, though, especially when, you know, like you say, like, you know, you wrote all the songs, blah, blah, blah. Like, presumably, when you took the first public steps, you're just yeah. like, right, I'm ready to strike out now. Yeah, yeah. Better get on those emails. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, here it is, there's the song. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> but it takes time for to pick up on things you know like there's just so much content out there it's than, insane yeah. than before you know what I mean and then when someone mails you back you're like oh great <laughs> the person's alive <laughs> it's not a bot tweeting from their account <laughs> but there's so like people you know they're so busy yeah know? totally I mean it happens to all of us I mean and I'm guilty of it as well like the amount oh, yeah. of music I get sent every day and like I almost never how respond. do you deal with it I don't uh, I, I like literally I will I will highlight a bunch of emails yeah. and I'll go delete without clicking yeah. in some of them you know <laughs> yeah. which is terrible but like it's, it's you're just overwhelmed and yeah. I don't know I don't know why. I mean, I, I know, I, I think with you, like, I mean, I think with the first track you released this year, it was a strange thing because I kind of would envision January, like the start of January is like a really bad time to do anything, like not just music, like anything. Like, I mean, it's like <laughs> people are, yeah, <laughs> including that. But I, I remember like, I think we were just scrambling. I think we were like, what's out? Like, like mm. what new Irish music is there? And I think Nyler Nine had, had Nyler featured Posse, you. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, look, that'll do. And I listened to it and I was like, this is really yeah. fucking good. So yeah. it, Actually, Nyler's really good at getting back. He Nyler's is, yeah. yeah. Brilliant at getting but back. But he's also selective, I think, as well. Like, I mean, he won't feature you unless he thinks it's good. Like, he, like, yeah. he won't well, just... Well, it's to his Whereas case. we'll have any allegiance. That's true, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as Dahi can attest to. Yeah. <laughs> No, he, like no, there are there are some people that are really, really, really good at getting you know straight back, and then I don't know how you know they do it. But even like in terms of you, and even in terms of just like like writing music and listening to music, I mean, like it, it is a full time job. It's a full time mm. job to be a music fan. I know how like waffly that sounds, yeah. but it fucking is. Oh no, so it like, can be absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like but it requires it can a lot totally of dedication. Swamp you though. Like, yeah, you can totally swamp you. And one of the things you really should do. You should be listening as as an artist. You should be listening to new music or any sort of music, like every day. You know that can switch your brain off, and that's where, like, I suppose a lot of my songs will come from when I'm banging my head off a wall trying to get something, you know, finished, and I've spent three or four hours at it, or even five hours working on a song, and it's not happening. And I'll go into another room and I'll bring my this guitar, and I'll just start strumming. And like three of the singles I released this year have come from that process of breaking away from the current piece of music I'm working on. They'll come instantly. So like it should be when you finish, um, when you finish, you know, in the studio for the day, you should be going home, listen to a record or two just to A, switch your mind off and B, just take your, like, take your creative brain somewhere else. For Do you a, have a specific workout. ones for that? I'm asking for a genuine recommendation because I find myself in that kind of block at the moment where, I don't want to put on the five or six playlists I will go to. I don't want to put on the podcasts I listen to. I need some detox music, and I don't know what that is. Like, I don't quite know what would be a good thing. Like, do you have go-tos? Do you have yeah, well, I've got my, I've got a, a a pretty good vinyl collection at home, so I'll go into the living room and just put something on. Like, I could put Stephen Stills on someday. I might even put Bruce on. You know, it, it all depends. I could put, you know, heavy, I could put on Mastodon. 
I've got a couple of Mastodon records on vinyl. I'll put Mastodon on that will really take your mind off things. Absolutely, yeah. You know? <laughs> Very much so. Yeah, you know, unless, un- unless you were thinking of causing somebody grievous bodily harm, in which well, case no. it only reinforces your thoughts. Mastodon's really good to cook to. You know, it's really, <laughs> really good to cook to. Cullum's got this aversion. Blood and Thunder. Blood and Thunder is a really good one to peel the spuds right. with. <laughs> Cullum's got an aversion to metal, I think, uh, and like hard music. I'm not screamy a huge stuff. fan, to be fair. Yeah. However, I can see that I can see the cogs in your brain turning yeah. right now because you love the kitchen. You're I, I do. Yeah, yeah. So there you you should stick on Crack the Sky. I'll, I'll Mastodon's Crack the Sky from from the start. I'll give it a bash. Please you do. Know? Fair enough. And report yeah. back. You mentioned them um, kind of like like bashing your head against the wall with tracks. You uh, said to me when we were emailing. See, listener, it does work. We do email on occasion. It does happen. It d- you uh, said that Second Moon, which we're going to play later on as mm. our exit music. That it it was in the works for two years, but then out of nowhere, it just kind of clicked. Longer, yeah. There was, yeah. I was trying to write Second Moon for years. I was trying to nail down on the theme, and I knew, it, like, it's weird. And I've heard like songwriters talk about this before, where they they're trying to get like a feeling out. They're trying to they know how it sounds in their head, and they can't quite get it out. And it's it'll drive you mad. It will literally drive you mad, and. I was I was lying on the couch strumming a guitar, you know, one evening after working on something all day long that I got absolutely nowhere with that's since been discarded. And I was thinking, how am I going to fix it? And then I kind of played in the first chord. And I, without even thinking, I just got up and went back into the studio and hit record and sang a version of the song instantly and then hit it back on playback and then tightened it up there and then and then spent the the rest of the night like tracking it out and working on the arrangement and then in the morning I finished the structure off and sent it off to uh, my producer Darren Allen and was like this is what we're doing next and he was like okay let's <laughs> do this next and then book the studio and the song I was trying to get finished to go into him it just didn't happen it's a great song. I mean, I was saying to you before, like it's an instant hit. Like, I mean, in terms of it, like, it, like I don't mean like I'm not, I'm not doing the '50s record label <laughs> mogul. It's an instant, <laughs> it's an instant yeah. hit. It's a, it's a hit, kid. Here's uh, being liked. Dave Hannity from Sun Studios. <laughs> yeah, here's the massive contract. Uh, I met in that like it genuinely like you know it gets into you straight away, and I was like, yeah, like I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, like yeah. you know you have to have music that that is instantly accessible now. It has to leave an impression yeah. on you like before the fucking second chorus kicks in. Which yeah. is oh, yeah. an awful thing, I think. Even before the first, yeah, that's, that's how our brains have gone. I mean, yeah, you know, and the and the, the the diet of music that we have been fed and and that we continue to kind of consume. It's it's really tricky. Like it's like I live for those moments, but I wonder if we're just if it's been too oversaturated. Cullum, stop me! I sound like a stoner. Or a I was about to say you're getting a bit too <laughs> bit too down about this, Dave. No, I'm not. Right? It's just like it, I like, wonder. <laughs> I wonder will pop music become shorter? I wonder will pop music will songs start to because radio space mm, maybe I what songs start coming in but now we have all these bloated albums like even Nicki Minaj adding another track to her already well, yeah but I think the whole point of that is, track is, album. is yeah you get more shorter tracks essentially like yeah for streaming purposes and indeed for radio it could happen yeah but I think uh, I mean a lot of bands are like from what I've heard is like a lot of artists now are writing for playlists yeah yeah like yeah, writing song, like writing records that would be perfect for you know, a selective number of playlists because Yeah, although at the same at the same time, I mean I think that's always happened just in terms of people writing for for instance, especially in the States, like, you know, different yeah. radio stations. So like, you know, you'll have your 
whatever it is like you know AOR your adult oriented rock and then <laughs> like but you know they haven't actually split up all, in all those is, different uh, genres is, is Mastodon like. in that or what's I, the, I wouldn't think so no okay. um, but but yeah like when you've got those sort of like divisions yeah you'll have people trying to tick all those boxes I think Ed Sheeran's album for instance is a perfect example of that where it's legit just like here's my Celtic song here's my Spanish song here's my pop <laughs> song here's my hip hop song please blah, blah, don't blah. do this is what we're saying we're trying to instill this yeah. on you I couldn't do it <laughs> do it. Not yet. Uh, not obviously going to force you to commit to anything here, but uh, album-wise, what are you thinking? Like As yours, my, oh, my my record. <laughs> yes. Um, what am I thinking? Well, it's more or less written. Um, I'm going to put it out next year. I'd plan to put it out this year, but again, like like again, you're, you're talking about like you know what would you do differently you know what have you seen have you learned you know as I've gone on putting record out this year would just not make sense because I found that you, you know you need to build up more of a head of steam and there's a couple more blocks that need to be in place and this I guess comes down to being I suppose isolated for say two years just writing something and then you're like yeah great I'm gonna put it out but you kind of want people to hear it yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, like that is <laughs> fair. that. Yeah, that's a definitely fair exchange yeah. with the with the general public. I believe. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, any upcoming shows to to yeah, plug? I'm planning. I'm planning an, an unplugged uh, set in Crowbar on Monday night. So okay. I'm gonna play some songs on my own, and I'm gonna play some songs with my band. So that's a Monday night, and I'm playing Hardworking Class Heroes. Yes, that's right. One of the I 50 acts announced for this year's yes. festival. Um, very, uh, we, we were there last year. We were. Very much enjoyed it. High standard. Very high standard. Yeah, so let's see. Yeah, I was listening to some of the acts. Like It's geez, good. Geez, it's good. They're, like, yeah. they're committed to mixing it up, I think, and like, like it's generally quite a good selection. So yeah. uh, we will be there for that. Well, I will. I think you're on holidays. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll be away. Unbelievable. Sorry. Again, just like always like... like like jetting off to the fucking sun. Like. I'm going to London, and of course you're just you're, uh, you're just back from the sun. Of course, you're like you're literally just like off a plane into the studios. Isn't that yeah, right? yeah, pretty much. Yeah, Thank you for that. Yeah, no, no yes, problem, we really no appreciate you stopping by. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I didn't wear sunglasses. I mean, I wasn't going to rub it in. <laughs> yeah, you no, managed that at least. Yeah, I was yeah. in Tarifa for a week. Well, oh, I, in, love I, in Tarifa. I love Tarifa. I love Tarifa. What do you start yeah, a fucking travel podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where the word tariff comes from. Great. Yeah. Really? It could be more facts yeah. like that, please. Because it's just at the very corner of the Mediterranean Sea, you know? Yeah. So if you wanted to come into the sea, you'd have to pay the taxes in Tarifa. So that's where tariff comes from. Every day is a school day. It is. There you go. And uh, you're going to school us with a tune. Yeah, I'm going to play What a link, eh? Oh, tell you. Tell you <laughs> Before you leave. So, yes, uh, we're going to have the rare occasion of an acoustic guitar yeah. invading the No Encore studio in- space. Invading, yeah. I haven't sang for a week, so... I'm sure you'll still remember how... <laughs> yeah. This is, okay, this is the second song released this year called Be There. And I know you guys haven't played it, so that's why. We haven't played it, no. I'm going to play it tonight. All right. All right. You say you're on your own Cause I'm never home I want to be there for you I want to be there for you You want to live and prove A burden just won't do I want to be there for you I want to be there for you There's no end inside I can't see This time I've 
wandered too far for me, and I still do not understand the feeling. Only I wanna be there for you. I wanna be there for you. Shadow in my seat, don't look like me. I wanna be there for you. I wanna be there for you. There's no end inside. I can't see this way. It's turning us crazy. I wanna dance on the moon with no gravity, and I've always been true. Ooh, wanna be there for you, even when I lie. Wanna be there for you, let it rise, it will fall. Wanna be there for you, when you cry, my head rolls. Wanna be there for you, look disappears behind closed eyes. Wanna be there for you. I won't let it Having me. You're very welcome, sir. That's A. Smith Crowbar in Dublin on Monday, the 20th of August. Hard working class heroes at the end of September. Yeah. And album to follow in 2019. 2019. And I'm sure we'll be talking to you again. Thank you, you very much, man. Thank you very much for playing my songs. Always. Thanks, man. Thank you. Cheers. Colin will now take us into the album review. Yeah, this week, Jake Shears released his self titled debut solo album. It sounds like this.
yeah, that was Creep City, one of the lead singles from Jake Shear's album, the former Scissor Sisters frontman, I guess, joint front person, alongside Animatronic, whatever you want. Um, yeah, had kind of taken a little bit of a break, at least from recording music, did some musical theatre, is still working on musical theatre by all accounts, um, but this is his first album uh, out on his own, uh, Dave. You you have history with the man, so to speak. Well, not him directly. I interviewed Scissor Sisters before, but he wasn't there. Oh, really? It was Baby Daddy and Animatronic, who were very good interviewees and very, very cool. And I would imagine that Jake Shears is too. He seems like an interesting guy, um, articulate fellow. Um, Scissor Sisters themselves first came on my radar, much like everyone else, when they kind of came out of the blue in 2004, I want to say. That's right, then. Um, yeah, with the self-titled album. Mm-hmm. I believe I was an X-Vision at the time. <laughs> Sold quite well. Um, I mean, what does one expect from the debut album from, you know, like a, the leading light of a particularly um, abrasive, in a good way, pop band who... I, I, the thing about Sisters is where, like, for me, like, I was... I knew they, they'd gone on indefinite hiatus, which, right. you know, is a nice way of saying we've broken up. Although they kind of resurfaced a while ago to do uh, LGBTQI uh, plus track uh, for some for proceeds. Yeah, I'm struggling with that acronym because it mm-hmm. keeps changing. I don't know. So essentially, yeah, um, I don't. I didn't quite know what to expect from this. In as much as like I, we know what he can do. Like, yeah. like we've known for a very long time, like how good he is as a showman. And again, I mean, like, I don't want to be reductive. I don't want to be derivative. I don't want to just like compare him to like a Rufus Rainwright. But at the same time. That's what we're getting here, in a way. We're getting this kind of, like, theatrical um, showman. Like, you know, like, it's very... You listen to this album, and you can... You feel like you're sitting in the audience. You feel yeah. like you're you're sitting in, like, a, like almost like an old-timey kind of prohibition-era jazz bar. Yeah. I can see the seats. I can see the decor. I can see him on the stage. And that's... He's really fucking good at it. Like, he's excellent at that. He really is a naturally-born performer. Um, but once again, I think we're looking at a depth issue here. Okay. I think he, these are really well-crafted pop songs, but I don't quite know anything else about him after I hear them. I kind of agree with you there. I must say, like, I expected to be sick shit of this album within three listens. Why? Because, and and I don't even say this, like, you know, kind of when I was coming into it. After one listen, I was like, oh, in two listens' time, I am going to be sick shit of this. Because I think, because it wasn't going to have any depth at all, that it was going to be just a pure performance. It was going to be smoke and mirrors at the front of stage, and then once you start looking for any actual depth, it just isn't there. And there's a little bit more than you'd think. On that song, Creep City, uh, there's a line about, I breaking the seventh wall, and while I don't think you can necessarily necessarily kind of put it literally, it feels at times here as though there's kind of plays within plays, and you know, kind of a constructed performance basically. And I don't know, there are songs that are like really actually quite devastating. It's largely about a breakup, and that's what sent him to New Orleans, which is where a lot of this sort of, as Dave described it, old-timey sound uh, is coming from. But a song like Sad Song Backwards, where, like, you know, if you ignore the delivery, lyrically it's actually quite disarming, and that juxtaposition is kind of representative. I mean, I'd even suggest that, you know, as you say, like, you know, it's all just a bit of razzmatazz uh, musically, but this is all recorded live, Apparently, it's members of my morning jacket 
um, who, yeah, were, were putting all these tracks down in one take. So, like, they're genuinely killing it, and but until it's really brought to your attention, it, it might pass you by. Well, I assume that you've already highlighted the, you know, the fatal error of the sentence that you've just put together, right? Which? If you ignore the delivery. Right, okay, sure. You can't. No, I'm not saying that you should. I'm not saying that. Like, I don't think you were being dismissive. Yeah, 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 I, I don't yeah. think you were like, if you take away his timber. No, of course. But no. it's so everywhere. Sure, it's, it's so dominant it's, that you might never get past it, so to speak. It's stereo sound, and like, don't get me wrong, it's good. Mm-hmm. Like he is charismatic. He like it, like he has a genuinely compelling and captivating manner. Yeah. But again, is it is that is is that too much? I'm, I'm not saying I got no depth. I'm not, I'm not saying like there was nothing here and yeah, like. Yeah. Uh, not dissimilar to the Travis Scott situation of like in the last couple of tracks in particular you do definitely get I think you know Palace in the Sky is quite a lovely song and like he he then closed it off with like Mississippi Delta I'm Your Man which at first I was like oh you've ruined it now you've just gone back into default mode but he actually does a really good tightrope balancing act on that one I think he manages to present this front facing uh, stadium filling tune which does have you know the sad crooner packing his bag yeah. and getting on the bus perhaps alone into the night and going to another city tomorrow to do it all again and paint his face up and put on a smile i like that a lot thought that was really really good now last week on the show we were going to talk about a track uh, big bushy mustache which i yeah. kind of dismissed outright because i was like one that title is annoying and two right. josh holmes in the video so i was like i'm kind of done with him you know after he kicked some fucking photographer in the face so i was like you know what you need to go away for a little while josh and like it's almost indicative of what is good and bad about this album because it's a fucking banging pop tune, and yeah. that's it. It's just surface. Like you mentioned, sad song backwards. It's a good tune, but it's a, it's a bit overwrought. And again, I'm not the first person to make this comparison, but man, a, a, a lot of times we just take a turn into goodbye Yellow Brick Road, don't we? Oh, it's hello again, Yellow Brick Road, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yellow Brick Road, I'm back. Like, yeah. it really is. Do like, you know he is actually currently writing a musical with Elton John? I'm not surprised at all. And again, not a bad thing. No, absolutely could not. Could in fact be a fucking great thing. And this does have musical qualities. Like I say, I can, I can envision it. Yeah. And that's really good because in fairness, I mean, a lot of albums now just aren't, there's no visual. There's no, you can't create the world, you know. And the Travis Scott album is really good at it. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, as we as we said, I mean, I can see the fucking color scheme. Yeah, and I can see the color scheme here, and they, and they like, I, w- I, I yeah, okay. Let me stretch this analogy to to a breaking point. You ready? All right. If you got lost in Astro World, do you think you'd open a door? <laughs> And there's Jake Shears. Sure, you dressed stage. up like some sort of circus ringmaster. But maybe it would totally work in that in that ground. So based on everything, I was like, why did I not love this? Why? Like, like what was it that made me go, this is detachable? I kind of had the experience that you thought you were going to have, where right. I was like, not that it was pushing me away or that I was bothered by it, but I was just kind of like, this ain't holding my attention. You see, I mean, I think the thing is that, you know, I was expecting to not enjoy it, but from a sort of a critical perspective, as in basically, I'm sure these are going to be well-constructed pop songs that on the first listen are going to be fine, but if I listen to this album every day for a week, I'm just going to be bored. And I think basically I was just surprised that there was a little bit more than surface enjoyment to be had here. Now, does that make it a tremendously deep album by any means absolutely not no it's not it, it's a performance more than anything and you know i i, I saw some writers kind of talking about the, the, the scissor sisters jake shears that a lot of this is sort of the same sort of thing as kind of like you know burlesque cabaret drag performance where it is 
It's just that. It's not real life. It, so it's not just me being reductive, thank God, okay. <laughs> no, I don't think so. And I try not to be. Like, like this is the thing. I mean, like, I would like to... But there's just so much... Uh, there's so much context. There's so much, like... Uh, existing elements, foundations oh, yeah. that have been set over the last 14 years. Yeah, that's the other thing that I like about it as well, or another thing that I like about it is that, like, so much of it is delivered with just, like, a wink and a nod. Oh, like, the introduction, called introduction, is literally just, like, you might as well be fucking handed, like, 3D glasses, you yeah. know? And then it goes into Good Friends, which is a belter of a stomp. Like, it's so well put together. And again, like, you know, we almost, it sounds like we're damning with faint praise, we're not. It is so difficult to put together a well-constructed pop song, especially in 2018, when we've heard every fucking variation imaginable. Mm -hmm. Shears has sharpness to him. He has, like, the ear for it. He has the tone for it. He has the voice for it. And fuck me, he has the confidence for it. Yeah. I just kind of wanted more of him. Like, I wanted more of, like, his kind of soul-bearing. It's there. It's there. It's just not to the forefront enough for me. Well, I suppose one thing that you could add, then, is that, you know, I suppose you forget this is a debut album. Uh, but, isn't is a that, solo but isn't that the cliche of like, you know, like surely all of him should be here? Eh, I don't know. I think we've seen an awful lot of uh, artists uh, before kind of, you know, revealing themselves over a number of LPs. So. I'm going to put something to you. I want you to tell me if, if I'm being totally unfair here. At times, I've found that this album felt like he wrote 12 songs for another artist. Then the other artist went, I'll pay you for them, but I don't want them. And then he went, well, I'll just do them. <laughs> Am I really off? I mean, Is I, that a really horrible thing to say? Maybe it is. No, I mean, like, no, no, no. Like, I understand, certainly on some of these tracks, I, like, I get where you're coming from. I, I do think there's a little bit too much of him at times, especially on like, like the, kind of the more ballady tracks and stuff like that. Um, I guess I just, I believe it. I buy it. Um, like... But again, you know, like, yeah, he's definitely adopting a character of sorts at times in this record. But it's something he does very well. And I guess, yeah, I I don't think I was really looking for an awful lot of Jake Shears. And the fact that I didn't find it wasn't all that upsetting. And I have the opposite. So, yeah, it's an interesting album in that regard. Divisive in a strangely kind of acceptable way, I think, you know. And as for me, with the old scorecard, six out of ten. Seven for me. Fair enough. I think it's a good record. Okie doke. Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, let's have a song. And give me a number, Dave. Uh, four. Uh, number four is Cat Power. She's back along with Lana Del Rey. It's called Woman. It sounds like this. To tell you about the girl or the woman they know More than you think you know about me More All right, uh, just in case you don't have your headphones turned up uh, full blast, those were two different voices you were hearing there, Cat Power and Lana Del Rey. Dave, you could be forgiven for confusing them, right? Well, I'm surprised at how minimalist uh, Lana Del Rey's presence is on this. I think it's a fetching compliment. Uh, Fan of both acts, Lana Del Rey more later kind of brought me around a little bit i'm still skeptical mm. <laughs> probably always will be cap power is a bit undersung for an artist who is of renown i would say uh no this worked i mean like ultimately 
it's a melding of textures. I understand what you're saying. Like, is there an identikit thing here? The, you know, the glammed up melancholy. Yeah, but it works. They're, like they're oh, like I mean, they're like, very natural bedfellows. You expect this to work, and it does. Of course, yeah, it's always going to work, and and I mean, like it's going to work because they fit in very well together. Um, I, I, like I feel it almost over embraced that sort of classic sound to an extent, to the point where it sounded slightly dated to me, but. Yeah, it's good, and I mean, look, frankly, if you're into either of them, um, yeah, it works, because it, it really is kind of like, you know, both artists sort of doing their thing. Yeah. So, yeah, and like, it's nice to kind of go in something with a bit of, you know, I know what I'm going to get here, and I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, I guess change and strange things can, in fact, be upsetting. For example, breaking news, foe of the show, Zara Hederman, right. is at the Ariel Pink concert right now, Okay, and she has said on Twitter... As expected, the opening band for Ariel Pink is the most ridiculous and pretentious display of music, complete with a member of the quote-unquote band doing interpretive dancing and holding a microphone to the mouth, but never singing. Tambourine player wearing doctor's scrubs. Right. And the main guy, dressed as some kind of warlock in a polka dot cape, is losing his glued-on beard. Who are these people? She's got they a... sound amazing. She's put up a photograph of what appears to be a play. <laughs> right. There they are now, the polka warlock being escorted off by his night nurse while the interpretive dancer has a nap. Here's the photograph. Okay. It genuinely looks like something in like the Project Art Centre that you'd walk yeah. out of before the interval. It does, yeah, yeah. Or, or yeah, yeah. Some of Jake Shear's sort of Amtram friends. You get what you pay for if you go to an Ariel Pink concert. Give me another number, Dave. Two. Number two is Pale Waves. Their album finally arrives next month. Um, this first though, it's called Black. If I told you, Dave, that uh, these guys are from Manchester and buddies with the 1975 and Matty Healy in particular, would it surprise you? Not at all. Yeah. That that's it's true then. Well, yeah. as we're finding out, that might not be a bad thing. Although the nine seventy five have put out another song, and I've only given it a couple of spins, and it's not as good as I want to come back to. I want to come back to Love It If We Made It for a second. That legitimately is growing into one of my songs of the year. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I think it's great. It's good tune. It's got surface level problems, but I think it executes itself with a mm-hmm. confidence and panache that I greatly enjoy. As, and to be honest, this song—I'm not saying it's on the same level, but it definitely has the confidence and the panache. Yeah. Uh, you know me. Did you put this in here because you knew, like, soft touch, Dave? I didn't, actually. Big no. synth. No, I, th- I, threw, I threw this <laughs> Hazy in. Hazy wistfulness. I, th- I, th- I threw this in a list before it was released, in fact. They were teeing it up uh, because it was unveiled by Zane Lowe um, on Beats. Uh, by, by all accounts, these guys are really set to blow up. I can see why they would. Yeah. I mean, like, this is interesting because I interviewed Roshan Murphy for a, piece, a separate piece for Joe. Um, and we kind of spoke about music uh, and like being algorithms all kind of shite and mm-hmm. the narrow frequencies she was referring to right and she was saying that like you know she kind of threatens uh, her kids with classical music because she wants them to listen to good things and she says we're not putting on squirrel fm because right. everything sounds like fucking squirrels i'm not saying this does but like we are in that era where it's dangerously close to homogenous territory i think this just about skirts it yeah i think as well i <laughs> Part of me is almost glad that it isn't trying to stand out too much because, like, they describe themselves... Actually, yeah, going back to what we were talking about earlier and genres being bollocks, yeah? Uh, these, <laughs> these guys describe themselves as goth pop. Why not? It's basically just because the lead singer 
like wears the makeup of a goth but that's it like sonically they're nowhere near it and what's more thankfully they avoid putting electric guitars where the synths are meant to be and thankfully in this song are because that's the ultimate sign of you know like we're hardcore they could have ended up going a very sort of like early paramore route or something like that instead this is quite agreeable and yeah i'm I'm interested to see what they actually produce um because like i say they're primed to be huge one thing though see if it happens it's technically the autumn now so how did your seasonal cognitive dissonance do with this clearly start of the summer track oh i didn't get too much start of the summer here to be honest really yeah well i mean like okay it was just it was just a pop song like this wasn't beach music or it anything was just like that. a pop song let's say your fucking yeah. autobiography <laughs> my, my mind makes noises is the name of their record anyway it's out september 14th and, uh, yeah, it's one that I'm actually now kind of slightly looking forward to, I Same. suppose. So, job done, Pale Waves. Yeah. Number three, please. Number three is Cloud Nothings. They're back. The Echo of the World is their first single from the new record. Sounds like this. I'll take this one, Cullum. Mm-hmm. I love this. <laughs> this is vital. This is... this. Yeah, I love it. It's great. So, it's a strange thing with this band where, in the past, like, they, they've taken all these steps. They've worked with Steve Albini, and they've sort of, like, you know, changed their recording processes and all the rest to try to be this sort of, like, barbed, rough punk outfit. And always seemed to have a barrier in the sense that no matter what they did, they ended up writing solid pop hooks and could never actually sort of like rough up the edges enough uh, for them to really come across in, in the sort of hardcore way that they wanted. So I feel weird here saying, congrats, you've written a song that's less hooky than what you were writing. But that is kind of what's happened here, isn't it? It is, but I think the hooks that are here are pretty fucking sharp mm-hmm. because it manages to do this thing where like it segues off into the freak out of like a post-rock song in the middle of it. Yeah. And then the vocals are so kind of discordant and then they kind of come back at the end in this kind of desperate plea for someone to listen. And it's just that really good angry rock music. Remember when Bono was like, oh, there's no angry music anymore. Sure. Or like blah, blah, blah. He's wrong. There is. It's <laughs> this. It's great. And it's in the hopeful way, though, that thing I talk about, whether it's Converge or whoever, I'm very much like, I love music that has aggression in it, but also has considerable beauty that you can eke out and music that makes you feel something. Which again, you know, we talk. We were talking to fucking A. Smith about it earlier on about how, like, you know, it's 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 tough. It's tough to make that connection. This did instantly, and I'm glad that it did, and I'm glad that I heard it. Yeah, they talked about uh, this album being all about energy, basically, and trying to kind of compress songs as much as they possibly could, and so it makes sense that it would have that sort of instant connection, I suppose. Um, yeah, like I say, I mean, it, it it's less hooky than their previous work but that was kind of the point and so i guess you know if that's the sacrifice that you have to make so be it uh yeah quite enjoyable actually number one please number one is a dublin uh pop sensation but actually a sensation off mic she's now launching her solo career it's ruth ann this one's called liquid everything you say you know i don't let it get to me always like liquid I never let it soak in All that you portray 
Yes, yeah, so Ruth Ann Cunningham, uh, from here in Dublin, although better known as a songwriter uh, explicitly in the States where she worked with Britney, she worked with Jojo, she had quite the reputation over there, has, has won her awards and all the rest of it. You've had the pleasure of a chat? I, a number of times, in fact, yeah, and um, very pleasant she is too, but this year, um, yeah, has launched her own solo career. This is either the second or third single um, to arrive thus far. It's Nelly Furtado's Turn Out the Lights, unfortunately. Um, some 18 years later. Not a bad thing. I'm, no, it's not. I mean, like, I've thrown this in this week because, like, she's clearly got the songwriting chops. Oh, yeah. The, the question is whether or not, you know, it really is just a kind of a personality thing now and that, you know, Ruth Ann Cunningham, the songs that she writes and performs won't quite be the same as the songs that she writes and gives to Britney Spears, say. Sure, and it's interesting because it's almost like she's stuck between stations in that she has those classic songwriting chops but obviously has to tailor it now to 2018. Now, it's funny, this week a Paul McCartney song written by Ryan Tedder came out Hmm. and man, I mean, it is the most One Republic song except Paul McCartney is the singer for the five minutes that they were in the studio. Right. And that to me is an example of just egregious like, okay, listen, come on. Come on, like it doesn't need to be this homogenous. This song is reflective, absolutely, of trends. And if you wanted to be mean, you'd call it generic. But it's good. Yeah, it's it, it's good in that way, in that it knows what to do. She knows what to do. She knows how to get into your brain, and she knows how to stay there for a few minutes and not have it be a bother. And that might be the path of least resistance for a new artist. But at the same time, don't underestimate it. Don't underestimate how tricky that is to do. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see where she goes. I'll give the album a go when it arrives. Yeah. Didn't blow me away, but I, I thought it was pleasant. No, it's very p- solid pop songwriting. And uh, as you say, that is in itself an art. Yeah, I'm interested to see where it goes, because like I say, I mean, I, I don't know why now. Um, she is, I would guess, late 20s at this point, but like basically, you know, was kind of big in the States for close to a decade, I would think, at this stage. Um, yeah, whether or not it can actually kind of gain the sort of traction that she'll need don't know but uh one to watch i suppose and finally this week um another one that i have been watching for the past while it is the collaboration between justin vernon and aaron desner uh, they've called themselves big red machine they released two tracks this week uh we'll play one of them it's called i won't run from it That's gotta be, that's gotta be Kane, the big red machine. Can it possibly live up to Mayor of Knox County, Glenn Jacobs, aka Undertaker's brother, Kane? Well. The devil's favourite demon? 
I mean, I don't want to say Aaron Desner is a handy number here, but I threw this on and I was like, oh, it's just a Bonnie Bear song, isn't it? And thank God it was, Cullen, because I hate to harp on about how busy I've been lately, but I have been, and I'm going to be honest, I've only heard this song once. Right. I just didn't have the time. That's fair. But I will say this, wasn't grabbing me, wasn't grabbing me. Really? And then, Justin Vernon started singing. Oh, okay. And I went, oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah. There's an old magic. I mean, like, the other songs... Are like I mean I suppose there is a, an interesting sort of middle ground now, especially after Sleep Well Beast last year, where you know with the kind of the electronics and the glitchy and so on and so forth, you're like, oh yeah, okay, so like that is the National and Bonnie Vare meeting, uh, and and it's probably not coincidental. Um, these guys had crossed my radar. In fact, first time that they provided music for uh, another podcast, as it happens, um, the American, are, American are, Fiasco. Other uh, uh, there other, are other podcasts, other podcasts. yeah mm-hmm. this, this this one is a short one it's already done now though so it's not really competition it was uh, one of the guys from Men in Blazers did something on American soccer from 1998 uh, these are my interests folks um, but these guys uh, provided the, uh, the the theme song for it um, these two tracks I mean yeah there there is as you say like there's a kind of a waiting for Justin Vernon to arrive and then it sort of takes off. But but I like it. I like the way they've been building things. They kind of said that the whole project was based on this people thing, you know, which they brought Forbidden Fruit uh, last year, about 18 months ago now, where, like, you know, there's, like, you know, freestyle jam. We're going to write a song in front of you. Yeah, and thankfully it doesn't sound like that. Uh, thankfully doing that in studio is actually just called writing a song, and so you don't get all the shitty bits and staring at the drummer to see. Sorry, when he meant to I just I just got the most ridiculous Dahi message ever. Dahi pops up in my WhatsApp saying Hozier is here. Oh right, Hozier well, is in the watering hole that we're about to go to. Where is he? Okay, great. I'm not saying where it is. I'm not gonna give away the man's haunts. All right, fair enough. What else have you been listening to this week, Dave? <sighs> Fuck all, man. I've been really, really busy. <laughs> okay, uh, I, I went back to that Black Queen album, which is really, really good. It's I, out in September. It's called Infinite Games. Give it a go. I've listened to quite a bit this week, in fact, although nothing with as much <laughs> depth you? as I wanted. Uh, I'll go in order of quality from worst to best. Uh, Death Cab for Cutie have a new album. Started streaming it. First listen, NPR. Uh, it's catastrophically boring. I'm, I'm, not, I'm so shocked. <laughs> I mean, no, to be fair now, I only went for like, you know, maybe I'll get like an old nostalgia pang from my teenage years. No, not even that. It's terrible. Apparently it's the first one without Chris Walla and, you know, it seems as though he was a bit of a string puller there. And my God, they're missing him. Uh, Nicki Minaj dropped Queen a week ahead of schedule. And uh, I mean, like, we're talking about bloated albums. 19 tracks, 20 now, I believe. I like the track now, with, yeah. uh, I, like the, I like the one with Foxy Brown, I think it's called Coco Chanel. Yeah, it's great. Great tune. Yeah, listen, there, there's a bunch of great tunes in here, but unfortunately there's a bunch of them that aren't very good as well. And, oh, I mean, like, she's so distracted. She's so intent on clapping back at everybody, like, whether they deserve it or not, that she's now started to resemble, you know, those, like, fights in cartoons where it's just, like, a dust cloud and an arm and leg shoot out every now and then. Did That's you see, this album. Uh, DJ Khaled was among the call-outs. And oh, I, yeah. And I guess he didn't bother listening to the album because he tweeted out, like, you know, this album's amazing, give it a go. <laughs> really? And it was like, who's going to tell him? Well, you know what? I mean, to be fair, a lot of the call-outs on this, especially, I think he was on that, is it Barbie Dreams is the name of the song? Um... Yeah, a lot of them are kind of tongue-in-cheek. It's done with humour. And it's something that she does quite well, actually. Um, and to be fair, yeah, she does a lot of things well. Because, like, yeah, there's some jams. Some of her actual discs are good. Um, yeah, she's funny when she wants to be. Technically, she's still great, but it's just it's wildly unfocused. The main thing, though, is that in a week's time, from when this show airs, uh, Blood Orange's new album is dropping. It's called Negro Swan. 
I got it there on Tuesday. And now, granted, I've only listened to it twice. And one of them was interrupted because of a dodgy delivery service, as typically happens when you get albums Never. in advance. Yeah. Listening to albums in advance is always strange because you kind of think, I wonder what people are going to make of this. This album, I'm genuinely like, I cannot wait until other people hear it. It is sublime. Wow. It sounds amazing. It's It tackles kind of like blackness and queerness and all these, you know, important issues with marginalization it's 16 tracks but it's like 49 minutes i think like most of them don't reach three minutes um there's a bit of everything you kind of imagine free time sound but like with a bit of the exuberance sort of stripped away and there's this overarching narrative yeah that that's going to i think make it one of the biggest albums of the year i hope it is because yeah from the time that i've spent with it so far it seems Amazing. All right. I look forward to that. Uh, sorry, I did go back to Kalela's album, Take Me Apart, oh, yeah. which is still brilliant a year on. <laughs> yeah, Check it out if you haven't is. for whatever reason. A reminder that we are bringing No Encore live to Electric Picnic on Sunday. A reminder that we are bringing No Encore live to the Workman's Club in Dublin on Sunday, October the 14th. Get your tickets and Ticketmaster. Are we just doing Sundays now? Yeah, yeah, it's a holy day. Like Vince McMahon. And a reminder that I will be uh, doing Totally Irish with John Barker on 98 FM this what Sunday. Day? This Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wrestling events, you know, pay-per-view. I, I, I am pay-per-view. That's <laughs> All right. Who, that's who I am. This episode of No Encore was engineered by Taz Kelleher. Check out her podcast on the Heads of Podcast Network, In the Shower with Taz and Marcus. Don't have to listen to it in the shower. I'm sure that joke has been made. I'm making it again. Uh, to play us out for Exit Music this week, our special guest, A. Smith. And his aforementioned track, Second Moon, that will take exit, mu- uh, exit music duties. Thank you very much for coming in, Aaron. Best of luck with the old music career. Indeed. My name is Dave Hanready. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. We're back next week. And I think we're reviewing Ariana Grande. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. That's right. And we'll also have another special guest in the studio. You just have to wait and find out who it is. See ya. Lost my recollection I know you're waiting for me And I'm right here in the darkness To steal another moment I waited and waited My blood rips right through
This isn't just basketball. This is the NBA playoffs. And with William Hill Sportsbook, you can dial up the playoff intensity from the palm of your hand. Just download the William Hill mobile app and your first bet of up to $500 is risk-free using promo code RADIORF. New users only. Must be 21 years or older and present in Virginia to bet. Paid and free bets. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat our confidential and toll-free helpline at 1-888-532-3500. William Hill Sportsbook. Proud partner of the NBA. Let's make it interesting. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. 
Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. So you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.